What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we are on Appa Nath of Wonder Ventures. Wonder is an early stage fund that aims to invest earlier than anyone else in Southern California's best founders. Since its founding in 2015, the firm has invested in category-defining companies such as Honey, Lux, Joy Mode, and a number of others. Abba is the first and only hire at Wonder, and we wanted to have her on to dive into her unique path. In this talk, we discuss Abba's journey to venture and how her previous roles at the Disney Accelerator and Ring prepped her to be an investor, what makes Southern California unique as a startup ecosystem, what has changed when evaluating early-stage companies virtually, some red flags that make businesses uninvestable, and at the end, we flip it around and let Abba ask us a few questions. Yo, everybody, podcast. Thank you for rocking with us on this beautiful day. We have Abba with us from Wonder VC, an amazing human who apparently thinks that I'm the reason LA shut down. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're going to forgive that. We'll party together whenever uh, COVID is eradicated. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Abba is. is at Wonder, one of LA's top shops. They've invested in everything from Honey to Clutter to Airmaps to a few companies that we've been looking at recently, like Dre Alliance and Shibaboo, I believe is how it's, how it's pronounced. Shibaboo, um, yeah. Yeah, you all are, are amazing at what you do. And that's just like the beginning of it. You also like Corn, bra- corn Base and, uh, and Bird. And yeah, I'm going to just let people check out your website to see how much work y'all been putting in. So yeah, with that, I'm spoiling your opportunity to speak on yourself. So if you could, in one or two minutes, could you give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? You have a very inspiring story. Thank you. That's such a kind introduction. I've actually been in LA my whole life, which is pretty unexciting. I take a look outside of my window and I see the wonderful weather and it's a positive affirmation for why I've made the decisions I've made. But yeah, I went to USC, studied industrial systems engineering, joined out of college the Disney Accelerator, which is Disney's corporate venture arm as a summer analyst position. And there I was evaluating later stage media and entertainment related tech investments. And so at the time, we sat as the liaison between Disney's top executives and then the startups we invested in. And so we got to invest in some truly amazing companies, including Epic Games, which is one of the largest gaming companies, and Savioc, which is an autonomous delivery robot, and so many others. And quickly realized that it was such a great opportunity to gain exposure to tech and all the different industries that exist. But there's definitely some learning to be had around the actual operating side of the business. And that was definitely an experience that I was craving and really curious about. And so after that, I joined Ring on the growth marketing team and helped with developing the go-to-market strategy for the various different consumer products that we launched and then paid user acquisition strategy, anything from like Facebook, Google, and Amazon. And it was a really awesome experience. It was a fairly lean team. The core digital marketing team was three of us to maybe four of us. And we got to interact with various different teams, including finance and product and channel marketing. And so it was a really awesome experience to learn as quickly as possible about just working at a high growth startup. Can, and, you, uh, 
can you speak a bit about a bit more about that? Like you, you seem to have played a pretty pivotal role there. Like I'm in Puerto Rico right now, and I was on Ring's website. They have a full Latin presence. You all killed it. Uh, oh. um, thank you. Well, like, how has that translated to your experience at Wonder? Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I single-handedly did everything. It was definitely a team no. effort, and that was one of the cool things about Ring's culture is the leadership really prioritized and valued independent operators and people who saw problems and would take the initiative to solve them themselves. And I think that sort of behavior lends itself more favorably to startup environments in general, because you don't really have the resources to have as specialized roles. And so it was cool because the team was just orchestrated in such a unique way. I hadn't had digital marketing experience prior. The CMO, Simon, came from Media Arts Lab, which is one of Apple's ad agencies or like the ad agency that came out of Apple. And, you know, he came from the creative background and really challenged our thought process on how we could be differentiating in the space. And I think that the marketing team really was given the support and resources to be creative as we quickly understood that storytelling could really help connect a user to a product and help fill that gap and in order to get people to get really excited about the things that we're selling. Got it. That's really, really cool. So yeah. when I think about Wonder and like what the, the message you all put out there is just you all want to be the first check into every relevant company coming out of LA. Can you talk a bit about like you and the, the rest of the team there figuring out how to execute on that and why you all made that the mission? Yeah. So really quickly after, I was at Ring through the acquisition by Amazon and stayed on a couple of months afterwards and then joined Wonder in officially in June of 2018. And something that got me really excited was one, just like the leadership from Dustin, who's a managing partner, and also just the mission of investing in LA's earliest founders earlier than anyone else. And part of it was that mission, but also just like the core ethos of being really helpful to all founders in LA. We see this as rising tides lift all boats and being helpful to any kind of startup in Los Angeles is mutually beneficial to us all. A lot of what we think about at Wonder is Wonder is trying to support the LA tech ecosystem and that can manifest in many ways. And so we try to take that into every interaction with the founder of obviously investment is one way we can be helpful to you, but what are the other ways that we can continue to help founders in the tech ecosystem, as we know, that'll continue to grow the ecosystem and pay dividends in the future. Gotcha. Why did you all choose Southern California? Yeah, so the background is, so I joined at the closing of the second fund in June of 2018. And the thought process behind it is that LA was really experiencing this interesting inflection point where there were these like legacy companies that were allowing operators from these companies to come and build out their own companies, really create that circular ecosystem. And LA was just at this interesting point where there are a lot of talented individuals and people with great ideas, but that early stage capital ecosystem didn't really exist. And you think of San Francisco and New York, there's definitely more of a mature capital ecosystem for people to you know, gain access to financing and that didn't really exist in LA. And so that's really why Wonder Ventures was built to really support those early stage founders and help them improve access to early stage capital. 
Yeah. I just want to give you all again a huge shout out for the amount of work you all have been able to do with your with your early fun. And with that, I'm really curious as to how the hell you did it. What have been the challenges of backing companies and figuring out which companies are relevant at such an early stage? Like I know you're very much so team focused, I'd assume, but like how do you go about figuring out their ability to solve the problems, the team dynamics, unique insights into the market? Like what is that process like for, for Wonder? Yeah, so being as early as we are, there's definitely a bias towards founder conviction and founding team conviction, just because unlike later stages, we just don't have as much data to go off of. But when you think about evaluating companies at every stage, that's like the one common thing, right? Like the founding team and your conviction behind the founding team. And that was something that really compelled me, especially when I considered joining this opportunity is really getting to understand founders on a different level. And you start to realize that they're, there are ways to, there are some things that just really inspire us um, behind a team. And it's things like, what is their ability to really communicate the vision clearly? And also to be able to sell other people into their vision, to take, to include, to invite other operators to join them in their vision and to take on such a big risk. What is their unique expertise in the space? And do they have some sort of differentiated advantage for example, Dre Alliance, a company you mentioned, one of the co-founders, his father was actually a truck driver and the business is helping connect truck drivers to corporations for the last period of trucking, which is called Dreage. Mm -hmm. And he had seen firsthand, they had built a logistics company in the past before. And so they'd seen what the business looked like and the space and really understood it from a very unique perspective. And another thing that we often tend to like is teams that have the ability to build something technical in-house, because that just really positions you for success if you can iterate on product very quickly and have strong chemistry within the team to really understand each other and collaborate together, since that is a long-term relationship that you're building. Have okay. you found that this evaluation process has changed over the last nine months, or have you still been able to reach conviction quickly on these early stage founders through virtual meetings? Yeah, I guess time will tell, but something that we have started to lean even more heavily on is, you know, technical teams, like teams that have that ability to build product in-house, because at the end of the day, if things are virtual, just having the trust already within the team where they all they have their clear kind of dividers around what the specific roles and responsibilities are of individuals on a team being able to rely on that and like the fact that there are core team members that can actually execute on product i think that's something that we continue to believe will go a long way especially in the company building process so one thing at our gpv we try to do is to be very cognizant a founder's time and our own time, given that we have a lean team very similar to you all. If you try to fast fail companies in terms of going through the process and then communicate our feedback, thoughts, and ways we can be helpful. I'm curious for you all, like at the earliest stages, what are some of the red flags that make a business uninvestable for you all? Like overt red flags? that's a really tricky question to answer. I'd say like some things that 
definitely are important to look for are team chemistry. I think that's something that is super important and it goes further past just like having a common interest in a space. It's like, what is the co-founding team's ability to trust each other? And so some ways that we found that to manifest are if they've worked together in the past before and have already established a working relationship so that when they take this plunge into a new venture, they already know, you know how to communicate with each other, how to trust each other, as it is truly a long-term relationship building process. That's something that definitely is something to not take for granted. And then the second thing that I'd say is also founder market fit. You talk about product market fit and how that's important, but also what is, why is this set of founders choosing to build this business? Like what is their either unique attraction to the space or unique advantage in the space? Um, because that also goes a long way. I don't know if it would make a ton of sense for me to build a men's anything company, truthfully. If anyone in venture sees me doing that, definitely hold me accountable. I think that's a good point. I also think that it, it definitely depends on the space, the team. There's a lot of different intricacies that you have to consider. I think as an investor, personally, I need to get better at uh, evaluating team chemistry. That's not something I pay attention to enough outside of alignment. So thank yeah. you. So how do you, you know, I'm curious from you two, what are, what's the evaluation process that you undergo? Claire? Yeah, I can answer quickly, but I think just echoing off some of the same things you said, I think that all founders need to have unique insights into the problem. Uh, I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today from Danny Reimer, who's a, a GP over at Index. He said the best founders have incredible empathy and passion towards the problem. And I think the only way to reach this is from having experienced personal pain from it. So I think that's probably one kind of relating to that is I think a red flag would be a founder founding team that lacks depth or awareness of the overall marketing competitors. I feel like we see it too early on that just say, no, there's no competitors in the space. I mean, I think that's just shows like a lack of, of awareness. When we had Mark Grace on, he had this really good point that still resonates with me that we live in this open source world and it really comes down to execution. So like finding teams that are able to build the product in-house, de-risk that aspect of it and additionally sell and execute on the vision and they're laying out to you in the earliest stages they don't have those traits it seems a little bit uninvestable i don't want to say uninvestable but at least like somewhat of a red flag that's probably like quick my quick soundbite tyler what about you we'll do some c but mostly we'll do series a so typically the founders in the team just started to work out a lot of the kinks so the first thing i'm looking for is can this thing actually get to the scale that i would need to see the returns that i want I think the team is like something that is always a given, like it has to be phenomenal. Or like you have to feel that spark or hunger or resilience being a keyword there. And also just like a certain level of ingenuity. But for me, it's okay, like how big is this problem? And how much can we realistically capture or, or solve that in a monetizable fashion? And if that is big enough, what's your plan to get there? And how can I be helpful? 
And obviously if there's no way for me to be helpful, I'll try to find a way and like if they can skyrocket and then I'm just happy to put my money there and just trust them. And like that itself until they need something is like the perfect place. And if there's alignment in ways that I can add incredible lift, like we do a lot of work with the Walton family. We do a lot of work with the Fritzkers or with Don Thompson from McDonald's or something like that. If we can find a way to be very helpful there in biotech, then that's something that's huge. If not, it's a little bit hard. I might personally want to invest in you, but if we can't see the, the scale returns that we want, then it's immediate red flag. And there, or if you can't envision how yourself will get, or you and your team will get there, then that sounds like I should probably like just go look for the competitors. I'm certain there's a competitor who's figuring it out. And the one caveat there would just be like, if we can have a conversation where we ideate and pivot in real time, and and the, the chemistry just feels there like a family because we are in this for seven to ten years, uh, <laughs> and the red flag turns purple or blue or something like that, and we can move. <laughs> <laughs> I like but, that expression. I don't know if I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, with that, you're actually the first person who's put the question on us. We love it. I'm excited to learn from you all too. True. Yeah, we're just, we're, this is a very asymbiotic relationship with most uh, podcast folks. We get all this, all the uh, input and we exchange nothing. I guess you get an audience and uh, yeah. some friends. We'll sing you deals and stuff. But with that, Clay, you want to kick off the quick fire round? And again, feel yeah. free to put for us if you need to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When we started this, I think we didn't plan on the podcast being like, a huge audience builder like personally Tyler and I just wanted to learn from everybody but it's as he said it's been a little bit a symbiotic and it's been us like asking more questions but anyway with that we can move on to the next piece so at the end here we have these quick questions we are aiming for them to be answered in two sentences or less we'll run through them pretty quick it's just five questions at the end so first question we have is what is a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice just start a company. I think there's like a level of thoughtfulness that I, and maybe this is just a demonstration of being in venture for some time, but definitely be intentional about it. Be thoughtful about it. The founder market fit is super important to, to not take that like lightly, but also I hear people who say to just start a business. And so maybe that's the correct advice. It's one of those two answers for sure. All right, next one. So in the last year, what new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your life? Taking long walks. I've become my mother and I take geriatric long walks and it is literally the best thing that's happened in my life. But that's, yeah, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but it's true. Yeah. Started setting reminders on my phone now to do the same because I stopped being a couch potato. I keep plugging all these tools, but I, I use reclaim.ai and it randomly tells me whenever it finds time in my schedule to go take a walk. Wow. Interesting. Okay, cool. Awesome. Software to remind us to be active. It's good. Software to remind us to live. <laughs> yeah, to get away from our computers. It'll, it'll book off personal time for me if it's easy. It'll tell me to meditate or something. <laughs> or, or take time to appreciate it. Okay, okay. Next cue. Sorry, sorry. So next question. All right. Aside from having to say no all the time, what's the worst part about venture? The worst part about venture is it is a true test of memory because the amount, the volume of information that you are going through on a daily basis really requires you to just 
remember like you see like we see it probably a thousand deals a year and the expectation is to have some sort of knowledge or memory of all of them which i think find to be like an intellectual challenge and i actually find it super interesting but it definitely is really challenging sometimes to remember every single business that you've talked to the second worst thing about venture is sometimes you develop this such a unique camaraderie with your founders and you're helping them with projects and it becomes this oh my god like i want to do this thing like i want to be in there in the same level of commitment that you are and then you have to like remember it's a balance and it's their business and you have to know when to respect that boundary and also when to step away that's really good advice All right, next piece best piece of advice for junior VCs or those aspiring to break into venture? Aspiring to break into venture? One, I'd say there's no amount of reading that will put you at a disadvantage in this job, but that's just like pretty intangible advice. So I guess my next piece of advice is see if you can go through the exercise of venture in your daily life. If you're like just pretty much like any company that comes into your purview, like gut evaluate it and just develop that skill of thinking about a company as a business, because I think that's something that quickly, when you start the job, you have to do is, oh, this is a cool idea, but is this a good business for venture? And so really putting yourself in that framework, I think is a really useful exercise. Also, so many partners have like actual writing publicly posted and it's super valuable to help you just understand how people who have been in the space for some time develop their skill around investing. And so it's just like free literature on how to become a more educated and informed investor. Would you encourage people trying to break in to produce more content themselves or meet as many people as they can? It almost seems like it's one or the other. I've heard this question framed in different ways. The thing is, it's, to, it's essentially finding the balance that works to your nature. If you don't find it organic to be meeting people and if that's not how you're going to differentiate yourself, don't do that. But if that is the way that you find yourself like really suiting to your own personality, I think that's something that makes a ton of sense. And I think you can, if you even look at successful investors to date, like you'll see that they have both of those approaches and they've had the same levels of success. And so it's almost like should give you solace to know that either works it's just like finding the one that suits your personality yeah i definitely think it's both i think putting out content can give you a can give you a catalyst to talk to more people and talking to more people gives you more inspiration so i definitely think people should be doing both yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I don't think there's a wrong answer there so last question clay actually we got two more but i'm gonna kick the last one run this one Cool. So second to last, who is a mentor or a person in your life that you'd want to give credit to right now? This, it sounds cheesy, but it, it's honestly the truth. Like I really value my relationship with Dustin. He's the managing partner at Wonder. I think he's taught me a lot about empathy and how to bring just a unique level of respect into the relationship you bring to founders. And it's, just such a unique experience to have straight into venture and sets the precedent correctly of like how you should be treating founders. And it's, yeah, I just really value one, how his values manifest into how he approaches this job. And also just, I've spent three years learning and it's, I'm excited for the continuation of the journey. So that's beautiful. But the rule for that question is if you're going to throw this someone from your phone, you got to throw one more. Okay. Let's see. 
dig deep. That, You're talking about like fourth grade teachers here. Well, no, it's it's not even like a dig deep thing. I feel like there's so many people that I want to thank, which is frustrating. But let's see. Let's see. I have a friend mentor who I really value. Okay, everyone I worked with at Disney was honestly like a great mentor. Like when we were working in corporate venture, they were all such different personalities. And I feel like I was able to take from the best out of all of them. But I really value that experience just because it showed me how so many different personalities can exist in venture and how they can cohesively exist as one. Shout out to my Disney Accelerator group. Sure. Last question. This is a podcasting community for us and by us as venture investors. Who would you like to see as part of the Confluence community and uh, more specifically on the Confluence podcast? Ooh, I, let's see, that's a really good question. I would love to see Connor Sunberg from Amplify. Mm. If you all know him. Yep, that can be arranged. I'll call Paul. <laughs> <laughs> dope, that's super dope. Yeah, um, okay. I have questions for you all, but I don't know what the, the process is. So I'll let you all run. But you can ask us whatever. I think at this point, yeah. I'm gonna record all of this. So we might just throw it in there. But like, <laughs> I think we try to keep it under 30 minutes per podcast, but fuck it. Oops. <laughs> Who cares? All right, ask us questions. Okay, how did you two meet each other? And what was the origin story of the Confluence VC podcast? Clay. You want, you want to take a crack at it? I feel like I'm the one that always answers this. I want to hear your perspective. Got it, man. Fine, fine, fine. So I think we met through just networking. I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or someone introduced. I'm pretty certain it was LinkedIn. Clay's like, that's interesting because on Tuesday, January 1st. No, just No, and someone was like, so when's your anniversary? <laughs> what was your first day? <laughs> Learning a lot about you two as individuals. <laughs> oh, we met, we hit it off. The energy was proper. He's talked about doing this uh, unique database for essentially anyone in venture to get the resources they needed because it's really tough in this space for people to learn what they need to learn. And I was saying like, I'm simultaneously trying to build something where I just want to have very candid conversations and keep it real and build community from there. The truth is we ended up going in Clay's direction. <laughs> Like he, he was like, I want to build Confluence. I wanted to build this thing called FYI.vc and just do like really interesting, like social prompts and pieces. Are we really friends? Are everyone in ventures apparently best friends, but not really. Or like LPs are the rich ones, but why are VCs famous? And then of course, like very technical things, but just like things that hit on the core problems in venture as people was my idea. And I think as we released the, as we released the resource database, it was a hook to create a community. So that spun into a shit ton of other social components like the Slack channel, like this podcast, like the soon to come syndicates, roundtables of investors on specific niches, co-authored investment landscapes. And we'll see whatever else comes because really any person in the community can come up to us with an idea and we'll just do it because again, it's for us by us. I love it. And so my last question before I have to hop off is, what is the most memorable thing that each, each of you have heard on the podcast to date? Ooh, that's good. So I think me, I'll go for it. Go for it. That's really tough. I don't know if I have like 
one piece because I feel like a handful of things stand out. But I guess one that was really interesting is I mentioned it earlier, like M13, like Mark Grace at M13, who you probably connected with, a really plugged in guy out in LA. He walked through the thesis creation of M13 and like why they invest and the way they do. And the thing that I like keep coming back to is we live in this open source world, like ideas are a dime a dozen. Like anybody can be an idea guy. I think the ones that really stand out, the businesses that stand out are those that execute on that vision, which is like really tough to identify those people at the earliest stages. And I've tried to give a lot of thought about that. Is there any framework that you can do to better your odds of finding those people? I think that was interesting listening to Sutian walk through the evolution of women in VC the other week. That was really cool. Listening to Molly Fowler talk through dorm room fund and how it's now evolved to this unfair advantage for first round capital in the form of um, a talent pipeline creation. Like they have this vetted network of 10 years or 20 semesters worth of students that have applied to be venture partners there that like now they, they trust have a working relationship and they can leverage to find high quality talent to their portfolio companies. That was something I hadn't really thought of, but now that it's become so large and powerful and they have the ability to just curate this community and be really selective with who they partner with, like just seems like something that a lot of other venture funds are going to have a tough time replicating. I feel like I'm missing like dozens of things in there, but like in general, I feel like a lot of the killings. Let me go ahead and pick I've up. I've learned like scrap. so much. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think Mike McCombie put out some really great gems surrounding when you're working in any place, you should always be understanding your value in the market. I think that was really key. Just as a human being generally, like, you working at your fund, understanding what value you bring there, but also understanding how other people in the industry perceive you and founders perceive you and what you could actually be doing otherwise. I think venture, because there's so much demand, there's some really great shops that treat their people really well and do fair economics or fair education platform in exchange for the hard work that it takes. And there's some funds who don't. And because people have this syndrome of being just so lucky to have a job in venture, which they are, it's like probably one of the top 10 coolest jobs outside of like being an entrepreneur, being like a scientific researcher who's publishing like innovations that are changing the world <laughs> or maybe an athlete, but I don't want to go there. So that's one. Cheryl Campos said some really dope stuff about being real versus just saying it, like being it uh, and just stick, sticking to yourself and maintaining authenticity going. But uh, oh, uh, a beer from Serena Williams is fun. Made some really interesting points about how celebrities are not just marketing boys. Literally, they're actually like incredibly connected on a business front as well and tend to have abilities to get in the doors and setting for entrepreneurs that most name brand funds don't need it. Just rethinking the way that you view a value proposition from any fund generally, whether it be a celebrity fund or a standard VC fund, something that both VCs and, and entrepreneurs should be considering more frequently. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I haven't listened to some of those, so I'm excited to go back and listen through them. Yeah, you can see our evolution of like slowly becoming better at being gas. And I think the evolution is just me like giving it all to Tyler. And then I was like sprinkling questions at the end. I'm trying to remove myself from the equation. <laughs> Clay. Clay is incredibly humble. This thing is like 85% Clay. 
can you all. Guys are a dream team. You go together. You complement oh. each other, and one couldn't exist with the other. With that, you got any other questions for us? I think that's all for now, but I'll definitely send them over if I have any. Cool. So we got to all get in LA at some point <laughs> or travel. I'm gonna. I'm being nomadic right now, so I'll be anywhere in the entire world. Oh wow. Yeah. So, so modern of you. Yeah, Clay is basically nomadic as well. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm um I'm in Miami right now, trying to just stay in warm weather for as long as possible. But yeah, our team is out in LA. Like it's TBD if I'll ever get out there and meet them in person. But if I ever am, like would love to meet up and meet in person. Your friends yeah. have a lot of overlap. I'd say. Yeah. Yes, we do. Absolutely. It would be great to meet in person. Cool. Thank you so much for kicking it with us. I'm about to try to go find me some ceviche. I'm <laughs> thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure to meet both of you. And thanks for taking the time. You too. Bye. Huge thanks again to Abba for coming on. We hope that each of you are able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you'd like to get in touch with Abba or just check out what she's up to, you can follow her on Twitter at AbbaNath or you can find her contact information within the Complex PC directory. For next steps, if you're an investor and have not already signed up to join, we encourage you to check out our website at www.confluence.vc to submit your info to become a member. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to reach out directly either to Tyler at tyler at gpv.com or myself at clay at muckercapital.com. Hope to hear from you all soon.